Welcome to this special NBA Finals edition episode of the Bronx Cheer Basketball Show. I'm your host, Nathan Callanan, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jack Lynch. We're coming to you from Melbourne, Australia, where it's currently 2 p.m. on Monday, the 5th of October. On today's show, we'll be breaking down the Game 3 of the NBA Finals, that Miami win that they clawed out from their being down 2-0. And yeah, it's our post-game Game 3 show. <laughs> Great intro, mate. Well done. <laughs> I, I just, I'm just doing this every episode. I don't know how to say this stuff. All right, um, we're ready to go. It's time for tip off. When he's sticking you, and taking all your money. Ladies and gentlemen, please do not, do not throw anything on the board if you injure a player on either team. Decker's going to go. Oh, he falls down. A clear path to the basket and slipped and fell much to the right. I'm surprised by that, and and the players are telling him not to be doing that. Once again, welcome to the Bronx Cheer Basketball Show. This is our Game 3 of the NBA Finals post-game show. JL, I thought that I was going to have to come on here. I was a bit, what's the word, mopey? Is that a word about coming on here? Is mopey a word? Yeah, I'll pay it. Uh, um, <laughs> I'm no expert when it comes to the Scrabble dictionary or anything like that, but I'll allow it. I was going to come on here and be like, what, well, how can we generate some excitement? But the Miami Heat took game three today, 115 to 104. They upset the Lakers without Dragic and bam, once again, how are you, JL? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm, I mean, I don't really care who wins this series at the end of the day, but I just want more basketball and I love seeing an underdog come back and um, snatch a victory. So in terms of that, I'm great. That's it. Being 2-0 down, uh, Dragic and Bam out, of course. And they, again, they were listed as doubtful. And I think Bam has been closer to playing game two and three than Dragic. But again, apparently, the I think it was reported the pain and the physical restrictions on both the players was going to be too much to put them in the uniform you and I are not Lakers fans and so and with all their championships it goes without saying you do want an underdog to try and get up in a series when you're a neutral fan yeah but just in general we just want to see a series you know it it really did look like that the Lakers were going to cruise to a sweep uh, given the circumstances and it's so good to see that Spolstra does listen to the podcast because the things we said <laughs> after the game to obviously he listened to and we'll get into it now. So one of the things that we both banged on about in the game two post-game show was we want Jimmy Butler to go to the bucket and be a scorer. And he done exactly that, JL. Yeah, I know. It sounds ridiculous looking back that he had 25 and 13 assists in game two and we said he wasn't aggressive enough. But it was the fact that he was going to the cup and looking to pass is what annoyed me because it just makes it so much easier to defend. And that's what we talked about. And then game three, complete turnaround. He was aggressive from the get-go, just 
kept driving. And when the pass was there to be made, he made it, but he was always looking up at the ring, drawing the defenders. And 40 points, no worries at all. 13 assists, 11 rebounds. The third ever 40-point triple-double in the NBA Finals. He was incredible today, Jimmy. And uh, when when he plays like this, I mean, let's not get into too many too many conversations, but he's clearly a top 10 player in the league when he plays like this. Definitely. And like, unfortunately it's sort of too infrequent for Jimmy. Yeah. Like he, he doesn't do this all the time, but it's, it's crazy because it, it looks like he can do this all the time. You know, when he turns it on, he's unbelievable, but then he'll go to the games where he has 13 points and seven assists, but Miami will still win. So I don't really know what goes through the mind of Butler. I think he's always just trying to get his teammates involved as well. But when, the going got tough, you know, between games two and three. He just really put his foot down and went all out. So the heat broke out of the gates firing and it was just, yeah, they set the tone early. And of course it was helped out by Anthony Davis picking up two quick fouls in that first quarter. And AD, we'll talk about the M- finals MVP race later on. But AD... Just throughout the trophy, if if you had him like I did uh, going for the finals MVP, he started with the two fouls, wasn't intelligently aggressive. There's being aggressive like Russell Westbrook and then there's <laughs> being intelligently <laughs> aggressive. And yeah, that, that just sort of told the story of what the rest of the game was going to be like. AD had to keep sitting with his foul trouble and LeBron was trying to carry, but Jimmy and the Heat were too good. Well, I mean, we'll get on to – I want to talk about AD later on, but I just wanted to mention um, a good statistic that I found from SportRadar that the most points created – so points plus assist, assisted points in an NBA Finals game ever. So number one and two were both in the same finals in 1970, the New York Knicks versus the Lakers. So Walt Fraser in game seven created 74 points and Jerry West in game four created 73 points. They're the most ever. And then wow. Jimmy Butler tied today number two with 73. So it's just one of the best playoff games of all time, one of the best finals games ever. So credit to Jimmy. Unbelievable. And then AD, oh, geez, it was frustrating to watch because not only – he was in foul trouble from the get-go and then he had two offensive foul – or one was a defensive foul where he hooked Myers Lennon's arm for no reason and then the offensive foul on Olenek. Um but it, they were just dumb fouls. But then he took himself out of the game. Like when you're in foul trouble, it can limit you defensively, but you can still position yourself well. And I don't remember him trying to go up for a block or stay vertical or try and draw a charge. He was just nowhere on defense. And then being in foul trouble shouldn't change how you play offense. There's always a risk of drawing an offensive foul, but you've just got to keep going. And he was just, he only took nine shots, I believe. He was quiet, didn't try and post up, didn't try and seal in transition. He just wasn't there today. 15 points, as you said, only nine field goal attempts. I think it does. It shouldn't, but especially as a big man who goes to the bucket, offensive and defensive end, when you're in foul trouble, uh, I think there's a cloud mentally over your head, and I think that's was very present for AD today. And so that was, yeah, not a great game from AD, and they didn't get many good games from anyone else on, on the Lakers today, at least not as good as the... Heat's collective performance, so it wasn't a very nice day for the Lakers. But let's talk about this Miami Heat team. The clinic, <laughs> Kelly O'Linick, this guy, unbelievable. Once again, 
Off the bench, 17 points, 5 of 9. That's a beautiful... That's over 50% from the field. 3 of 5, that's over 50% from 3. He's just awesome on offense. He Again, he's not that awesome on, on defense, but I think the strategy of switching it up between Leonard and Olenek, which you especially called for in our last podcast, having Leonard play a few more minutes to sort of just throw different people at at the bigs of the Lakers really helped out for the Heat. Definitely. Um, like Olenek, like we mentioned time and time again, not the best defensive, but defensive player, but he was pretty good today, I thought. Like, uh, he's not going to, you know, come over and block from the weak side or anything, displaying unbelievable athleticism. You know, that's not his game, but he's always going to be in pretty good positions um, as long as you're not putting him in the pick and roll situation where he's got to try and move laterally. That's where we struggle. But if he's playing down low or he's um, guarding someone who's standing on the perimeter, he's always going to be in the right pl- position to try and deflect passes and things like that. So I think the Heat have got to try and work out a way to get him on the floor without funneling the, the Lakers' offense towards him. And also we talk about, of course, Jimmy Butler was amazing. Jay Crowder had a solid night. He started to fade, I thought, offensively as the game went on. He does these, I mean, when he's missing, he does these like catapult, you know, it's not a line drive, but it's not a it's not a high arcing. It's just he sort of flicks, really flicks the elbow and then that determines life and death. I've, I've watched Crowder a lot um, as a Celtics fan, but what annoys me is he always, always, always tries to draw the foul. And from his eight threes today, who knows how many ended up on the floor. But every yeah. time he chucks up a three, he's trying to get that contact with his legs and go down. Always falls. Yeah, it's a good technique, you know, one or two times a game you can bait the ref into calling a foul when there's not one there. But when he's, I think in a way, sometimes he's too focused on that and that's why you see these shots that are flat because he's getting his legs out and in front of him rather than pushing up um, and he's not getting any arc on the shot. And you look over to the Miami bench on on the box score and they all actually had uh, plus minuses with minuses and I know you're not too much for a plus minus, but... Uh, I did think that Iguodala was a nice presence on on defense. Just in general, today, the Miami defense, there wasn't much zone, but the effort, simply the effort was there today. And players like Iguodala and even Solomon Hill, he made some plays in his four minutes. <laughs> it felt like he made plays. Yeah. When, you're, when you're just scrambling and you're just trying harder than the other team, especially on that end of the floor... Uh, it, it happens. And personally, I, I didn't think that Duncan Robinson or Tyler Hero were consistent throughout the game. I think they chipped in shots, like especially Hero made one late there that was big, but their scrambling around the floor on the defensive end is really what helped Jimmy Butler take this team to this win. Definitely. I think Miami's energy all throughout the playoffs has been, well, it's been talked about quite a lot, but I don't think because it's not measurable in statistics, people sort of don't realize how effective it is. But they were constantly fighting for loose balls, um, rebounding by committee, which is such a... You just don't see it all that often when you're undersized. And, you know, they still lost the rebounding battle today, but compared to game two where the Lakers completely dominated, there was a different story. You thought, you know, Hero and Robinson, two quite small guards are getting in there and getting rebounds. Uh, Crowder had eight. So 
between those guys, they're all working so hard to get it. And then like just loose balls. Um, Kelly Olenek had that steal on LeBron where he chased him down and tipped it out from behind. They're things that aren't going to show up on the on the stat sheet, but it's just forcing these turnovers or forcing extra possessions, which is ultimately what got them the win. Yeah, Jimmy Butler said after the game, his first answer when being asked how they did it today was rebounding, got to beat them on the boards. Jimmy Butler himself had 11 rebounds that I felt just the eye test that Jay Crowder was just grabbing so many defensive rebounds. Even if there was three Heat players, they were making sure that they grabbed them. And obviously it helps that, I mean, they played well on Dwight and AD wasn't much of a presence throughout the game. So that does help, but credits to Miami and their aggressive approach on the boards. Let's go over to the Lakers and just talk about some of the ups and downs of them. Of course, LeBron James had a nice night. He had 25 points and 10 rebounds and eight assists, nearly another triple-double. And he he sort of felt like he was carrying them at times, but I don't know. On the defensive end, I didn't think that LeBron was aggressive enough. There's times when you could see that he was switching off Jimmy so easily just when an easy screen came, whereas on the other end of the ball in comparison, Jimmy Butler would would not switch. You know, they do everything they could to keep Jimmy on LeBron. And I think this is one of those games that LeBron was uh, being a bit passive on on defense. Yeah, this is one thing that always shits me. And like teams for the last few years, and I think this probably started with the Warriors being such good shooters, is that you couldn't, you could no longer, you know, try and hedge on the pick and roll and keep your best defender on you know, the best player because they were too quick. And now everyone's like, we want versatile defenders and we're going to switch everything. And I think teams are now too lazy where it's just, it's easy to switch. And obviously the Lakers, that's the Lakers play style. They've committed to that. Um, and they probably will continue to switch everything. But from a, from a Lakers standpoint, I don't see why when LeBron's been defending Jimmy quite well, one-on-one, when you're throwing, say, Iguodala up to set a screen, who's not an offensive threat and he's being defended by Kuzma. And then the the Lakers are happy to switch. It's like, well, you know the Butler's just going to drive straight at Kuzma, probably draw the foul. Yeah, It just isn't effective. The the Lakers need to fight over these screens. And that was one of my main notes that I took was at the end of the game, we saw some just awful defense by players on Jimmy. So there's one where with about three seconds, four seconds left on the shot clock, Butler had the ball in the corner with Kuzma defending him and if you're the Lakers, you want Butler shooting threes because he's not a good three-point shooter. Yeah. And he put up this terrible little pump fake and Kuzma bought on it. Yeah. Jumped up. Um, Jimmy took that it was to the, terrible. Jimmy took it to the ring, uh, got fouled by LeBron, went to the free throw line. And then he had the other one where he got switched on to Caldwell Pope, drove, just did a spin move past him, got fouled, went to the line again. And it's like, if you just fight over these screens initially, you're not going to be in these holes later on where you mismatched and you've got an offensive player that's willing to just keep, keep attacking on players that aren't good defenders. Like many of the great players in the league, if Jimmy Butler can sniff and, and sense that you're not going to be aggressive defending him like LeBron wasn't today. And as you said, that that was a very memorable play uh, when Kuzma bought for that pump fake, when Jimmy doesn't take threes that often, if you're not going to be, Aggressive, but again, intelligently aggressive on defense against Jimmy. He's just going to feast and especially just take you to the line where he's one of the most dangerous taking defenses to the free throw line. 
staying on the Lakers. So yeah, LeBron didn't have much of a performance again. AD with the foul trouble. I just even though we just sort of picked on Kuzma, I really slammed Kuzma last game. I just want to say. Poor Kyle Kuzma in this game because I thought apart from that play, he was all right on both ends of the floor. He was I, four agree, of eight. I agree. <laughs> he was actually pretty damn good today as a as a role player. He had 19 points, 50%, you know, four of eight from three. Good on offense, good on defense. And, and, and unfortunately, you know, it's not good in sports to only play well when your team plays well and wins because you don't want to look like that guy. But today, no one's going to remember any of the Lakers' performances. <laughs> so, <laughs> I agree. So it's all so bad today that Kuzma had a great game playing his part and this happened. Well, I think part of the issue with Kuzma is he's not the most intelligent player out there. Um. And it's okay to miss shots and that's not an issue. But So he shot 6 of 13 today, which is – you'll take that from Kuzma any day of the week because he's not that good of a shooter in general, um, more efficiency-wise. And 4 from 8 from 3 is fantastic for him. But it's the fact that when he should be – he should be only shooting when the offense is being created for him. So that's a LeBron drive and kick to the corner or AD gets doubled and Kuzma's cutting. But he's forcing some shots, which is what frustrates me. So when he checked into the game, the first thing he did was catch the ball, one dribble, long two, and he missed it. And I was like, <laughs> let the offense come to you. They, they, you've got two incredible players that will create open looks for you. You don't need to be creating offense. So he still had a fantastic game, but that was just the first thing that came to mind when I watched him today. I was like, just let offense come, you know. Um, on the other hand, though, Morris was great as well. He was awesome. Um, Six of 13, five from 11 from three, uh, a few rebounds there. So he was good. Kuzma was good. LeBron was good for the majority of the game, but the last quarter, it sort of got away from him. I think he was in two minds whether to try and take over or trying to keep getting his teammates involved. Um, and that's credit to the Miami defense. But other than those three, there was not a single notable talking point. And also, uh, Jared Dudley got on the court <laughs> for 0.7 seconds. <laughs> for for 0.7 seconds. I was literally just now, um, while you're talking, I was looking up to see if he got a second. He did get one minute on the box score in game one, so that sucks. I can't say that Jared Dudley played his first 0.7 seconds of the finals. But, yeah, so overall, I thought Morris was great. I was... Almost feeling like he was sort of the best offensive weapon, but then I remembered LeBron was all right as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Morris and Kuzma were great off the bench and and Caruso done his thing like always. Rondo hit an awesome layup. How good was that layup off the top of the backboard? Oh, I, you know I love that, man. <laughs> but the Lakers just didn't play as hard as the Heat today and that's... It wasn't about the heat zone or the too much of their tactics. They doubled well. Olenek was good with the doubling and stuff like that. But I wouldn't say there was too many of the actual tactics that you say that today the heat won because of that. I think it's literally just because they were trying harder than the Lakers. And this can happen when you have a team. You can happen to any team. But this Lakers team, if anyone's wondering, they're not the golden state of the last four years. They don't have four uh, current all-stars. It's all happy times when they're winning, but 
when they lose like a game like this, you are reminded of all the criticisms that people were saying coming into the season and when they have lost during the season that they don't have actually that much sort of wholesome depth in the starting lineup and even pieces on the bench. So if Miami are going to keep playing like this, and especially if Bam can come back in, I'd love to see a Linux still part of it. If Miami can keep bringing this effort, then we really could have a series jail. That's it. Um, and uh, we were we were in the camp where we sort of claimed the, the Lakers are champion, champions after game two. But it's like this Miami team all season long has just been fighting. And yeah, they were never down in the first three playoff series, but they were just working harder. And that's what they're... We know that they're going to do that for the remainder of this series, whether they lose the next two or they take the Lakers to seven or they win in six, no matter what outcome it is, they're going to be working harder than any other team would be doing right now. So, I mean, it's a pretty, I know we sort of covered it, but as I ask you every post-game podcast, what would you put it down to that won this game? Give me, give me one thing, really. Well, look, we don't really need to talk more about Butler, um, but I thought, <laughs> I thought it was the, well, I guess they are role players, but they're no longer role players at the moment because Jagic and Bam are out. So the collective unit of the of the Heat were just all doing a little bit of everything. Um, no one really took over. There was no player that got super hot or went on a on a run like Tyler Hero did against the Celtics, where you know they'd score twelve points in the quarter. It was just consistent for forty eight minutes, where they were all working. If you're playing full forty eight minutes of each game, you're going to be a problem in the NBA because teams are always going to have runs where they're hot and times where they're cold. But if you're playing consistently, you're going to eventually get some wins. And I think that's all that Miami did today. Uh, different to the Lakers, they just worked harder. And just obviously, I know you said we don't need to talk about him anymore, but Butler, Butler, you could say that his performance, of course, won them the game, but also his leadership. You know, sometimes it, even though it's a cliche sort of saying, when when your leader steps up and starts playing like Butler did today, it sets the tone for the rest of the team to also play that way. Definitely. And then the other one thing I wanted to mention, and I've said time and time again that I don't believe in single game plus minuses because there's so much variation. But Duncan Robinson had a plus 27. Yeah, he only shot four for 12 and three from 10 from three. But I think that just showed when he's on the court, despite being uh, at best or a nine point per game player or whatever he is, he just, the gravity, his gravity on the floor just commands so much attention on defense. And that's been a problem for the Lakers so far. Like, yeah, in game one, Contavious uh, called, well, Pope was all over him. Game two, sort of similar. But you finally had the feeling today when he was on the floor. And Spolster cracked it at him after game two. He was like, you got to shoot the fucking ball no matter what. Just let it fly. Yeah. And I think you could finally see his aggressiveness. Yeah, he didn't put up that many shots, but he was just working so hard and just getting around screens and it was just throwing the Lakers off. I, as I said before, I thought he and Hero, Hero you can see is doesn't have that swagger about him in this series. It's finally, he finally looks like he's got that rookie hesitance and I sort of do count Robinson as a, as a rookie, even though he's mature age and he was, he was undrafted and he played last year. I still count Robinson as this is his sort of breakout year. You know, he's really getting some minutes and playing well. This whole series, Robinson and Hero have been hesitant, but it's, as you said, plus 27 still for the game, and Hero had a good plus minus as well. 
they obviously were just putting the shots up, doing what they had to do and getting back on defense. Now, just quickly to finish up, uh, this is a tough one today. Finals MVP watch, JL. So I said AD after game one and two. You said LeBron after both. You said it was close. We both said it was close. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard to call now. It's nearly impossible to call at this stage because so now you'd say there's three, three horses in the race. It's Jimmy, AD and LeBron. But you'd have to overall say it's LeBron, in my opinion, because... Well, that it's going to the winner of the series. So you know that, as we can call it right now, the Lakers have got the advantage. Um, and I think today's game by AD pretty much just took him took him out of contention unless LeBron or Butler have a game as poor as he did. Um, but I can't see that happening. These are two guys that have always been so consistent in the playoffs. Um, so if Miami wins it, it's going to Butler, and I think if the Lakers win it, it's 100% going to LeBron. We both predicted 4-1 of the series, and I was saying on our NBA Finals preview that if the Lakers, if the Heat do pick up a win, the Lakers are going to go murder them after that. And that's what do you reckon? That's my prediction. I think now the Lakers, there might be a close one out of the two, but I actually think there might be also a blowout out of the next two games, and the Lakers might do it in four, in five. Yeah, I think the Lakers will be... Definitely more, much more aggressive out the gate next game. Uh, AD especially. LeBron will be getting him the ball as much as he can in the first quarter is what I'll... Especially with if Bam's not there against Leonard and Olenek, uh, LeBron will be feeding Davis time and time again. Um, and then the, LeBron had eight turnovers today and I know four were in the last quarter, two were travel, so it's not like he was clumsy with the ball or anything um, in those two, but you're not going to see him turn the ball over eight times again. He had one turnover in the first two games combined. So he's going to be protecting the rock. Um, he'll be more switched on. So I think still the Lakers should run away with it. But as we as we keep mentioning, the Heat, they love being underdogs. They love just outworking teams. So we're stupid to try and rule them out. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if they, they come back and steal a game. But I think the Lakers should still run away with this series. Yeah, whatever happens, we just want a good series. So hopefully that eventuates. But let's uh, leave it there for today. That has been our Game 3 post-game show. Thanks for coming on again, JL. Always my pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bronx Cheer Basketball Show. It's our NBA Finals Special Edition, the Game 3 post-game show. Don't forget to check us out on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're also on every podcast app if you want to switch over or recommend to a friend. If you are on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, don't forget to leave a review or a five-star rating. It really helps the show. Also, JL, I have forgotten again, (laughs) our Kobe Bryant Black Mamba jersey giveaway. The entries have closed now. And the way that it's going to be chosen, because everyone had to comment what they thought the series result would be, for example, Lakers 4-1, and then the finals MVP. And then so Lakers 4-1, LeBron James. Basically, the winner will be chosen out of the people that got it right. They'll be chosen randomly out of that sort of pot. Uh, And then we will reveal the winner on our first episode on a Monday. So it might be next Monday. It might be the Monday after. It's the first Monday outside of the finals being completed. So that's finished now, JL. The entries are done. Did you get your entry in? I hope so. I think uh, me calling it on the podcast should work. But <laughs> I, I've got the feeling that even if I was picked out randomly, you probably wouldn't give it to me. So I'm not oh, too worried about it. 
that's a that's a good feeling you got there <laughs> um but no thank you and thank you for everyone for entering that and thanks for listening to this episode and we'll talk to you next time